Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. Saddle up for action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code RTFP. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. 18 plus 21 plus in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligible restrictions apply. Voidware prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Monster Monday presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated sportsbook app. And yes, we've got the Masters this week. Golf, actually, very fun sport to bet on. I'll tell you a little bit about that as we move along throughout the week. We'll have a new Spread the Word winner at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. Just engage in any way. It's the easiest contest I'm aware of. Just a like or a retweet or reply or quote tweet or whatever. Facebook, Instagram, whatever. It doesn't matter. Sponsor confirmation email winner. We got some awesome sponsors this week. Keeps. You got to keep the hair on top of your head. Purple Mattress, HBO Max, DraftKings, of course, and ExpressVPN, which I'll tell you about today. You know about the YouTube shout-out. Please subscribe to YouTube so you can see just how big my head really is. And if you comment, I'll give you a Cameo-style shout-out. People actually pay for these things. I'll give it to you for free just for subscribing and commenting, which are both free. There's not that much to get to today. I I usually don't say that. Instead, there is one major, major topic in the NFL that is not going away anytime soon. So I wanted to go to the heart of the matter. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, so this guy's awesome. All right, and I don't know if I've ever told him this before, but I distinctly remember when I was getting recruited by all the Ivy League schools including his alma mater, Cornell, they would tell me about how great this Seth Payne guy was. I think I was a junior in high school, and he was either a junior or senior in college. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And then he gets drafted in the fourth round by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I thought, wow, Ivy League guy, fourth round. That's pretty sweet. Turns out he plays 10 years for the Jags and the Texans, has a ridiculous career, starts like 100 games, D-tackle, for 10 years. I can't tell you how impressive that is. It's ridiculous. But he's also an awesome guy. He's like me. He's like an Ivy League guy, but not really like an Ivy League guy. You got to check him out on Twitter at Seth C. Payne. I want to have him on because he's awesome, number one. Number two, he is on the radio every morning in Houston. Does an awesome job. I go on that show all the time. So, Seth, you have been 
I, I mean, what, what what's your day like? Did you, did you guys literally <laughs> talk to Sean Watson every second of every day? No, it started out like that, I guess, I guess two weeks ago when all the allegations first came out or two and a half weeks ago. And it seems, I, I'll tell you honestly, Ross, this, this entire team, the last six months of the Houston Texans has seemed like maybe, I don't know, a decade or so. It's just been, it's been one strange occurrence after another. Um, but yeah, it's been a whole lot of Deshaun Watson. And then every now and then we'll take a break to talk about uh, opening day with the Astros or something. Um, and, and then it's back to Deshaun Watson. And it's been interesting because we, we've kind of checked in to see how much of a story it's been nationwide. And, you know, I think that what what's happened is, as people have learned to do in these cases, uh, you know, for one, uh, like in any sexual assault case, for decades, for centuries, women haven't been taken seriously enough. They've either been victim-blamed or slut-shamed or what have you. So everybody's learned those lessons finally, and they're trying to be very careful on that side of it. And then they're also trying to be very careful not to pull a Duke lacrosse and act like a guy is guilty just because the evidence looks so damning early on in the process. Um, but every day or two, a new lawsuit comes out. And then last week we had Deshaun Watson's attorney bring up 18 character witnesses, women who had performed massages on him that, that say that he's never been but the epitome of a, of a professional during all those. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been a soap opera. So, Seth, th th there's a lot of different layers to this. I, I guess the first one, I'm glad I have you on as a former player to back me up on this. I've never heard of a guy going to this many different people for massages. I, I've never heard of that. I mean, that is like, you know, you find one you like, and then that's the one you go to. Like, what, what, what are we? What am I missing here? You find the <laughs> one or maybe two that you like, and then you're a regular. You're not like soliciting potential massage therapists on Instagram. Now, they didn't have Instagram when you and I played. But still, like I, I've literally never heard of this. Have, have we? Have you ever heard of any other guy doing this? Not this much. Now I used I used massage therapists pretty heavily. I don't think I was like. You remember James Harrison claimed that he spent like three hundred thousand dollars a year on chiropractors, massage therapy, hyperbaric chamber, all that stuff. I wasn't I wasn't up at that level, but I was pretty aggressive with the body work that I'd gotten done when I was playing, and I did have multiple massage therapists. Not not. I mean, at this point, there are. 38, 39, 40 that we know of now, 18 that have vouched for him as character witnesses, and the other 20-plus now that are plaintiffs against them. I, what I try to think of is, okay, if Deshaun, let's say, let's say if you're playing Deshaun's advocate, you would say this is a guy that leads a pretty erratic travel schedule, I would suppose. He's traveling a lot. He likes to get massages. If you've got a few of your favorite, they're not always available. If they're genuinely good professionals, then you, if you call up your really good massage therapist, she's generally not going to drop a client just because Deshaun is beckoning her right now. But it's still a lot. It's um, But I don't know what to – I mean, like, Dross, I don't know what to make of it other than that's an oddity. I think when when there were 20 plaintiffs, people would say, hey – why on earth would he have this many massage therapists if he wasn't, you know, trying to prospect for something nefarious? But then you find out that he had 18 that are vouching for him that are saying that he's completely on the up and up. So the, the number for me does nothing other than to say, okay, that's a lot of massage therapists. That's kind of weird. 
All right, so rewind three weeks ago. Okay. And he's been there, whatever, four years now. What are the people in Houston, before any of this stuff came out, if I talk to people in Houston, what would they say about Deshaun Watson? Like, what was his approval rating? Oh, I, I think his approval rating was really high. And I would include in that after he asked for the trade from the Texans. This was probably one of the weirdest situations I've ever seen in which a star athlete asks for a trade. And he still had probably 80 to 90% approval rating after that. You know, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't like people immediately wanted to cut ties with him or they thought he was a spoiler. Now, it, it, it rose to about uh, – my, my co-host, Sean Pendergast, and I did polls a lot here. And it got to the point where about 25% of people were on the side of Texans management. But you still had 75% of people in Houston that supported Deshaun and him wanting to get the hell out because we felt like the, the situation was just so dysfunctional. Then this comes out, and – and I'll be honest with you, I think social media is what it is, and you're always going to see a lot of ugliness on social media. In terms of how most people have responded to it, I think it's been pretty measured. I haven't seen a whole ton of the ugliness of people, you know, flat out saying that these women must be liars or these women must be that. Um, and I, But I think people are – I think there are a lot of people that – don't want to believe it because everything we've ever seen from Deshaun seems to be that he's like the complete and total gentleman in, in a lot of ways, including I would, and like in every situation is different. And the way you treat women isn't the same way you treat men and all that. But I think even when Deshaun's had chances to be petty, uh, you know, when, when we've played teams that didn't draft him, all that stuff, he's always been the consummate professional. So that, that doesn't prove that he didn't do anything here, but in terms of what was the public perception of Deshaun, the public perception was that he was a complete and total gentleman and professional professional. And that's, that's why this is also shocking. Did you read the Jenny Vrentis sports illustrated story? And what was the reaction to that in Houston? That, uh, and again, I hate to generalize because there people are going to have reactions based on their own experiences um, and their own knowledge of all of this. I think that definitely was a hit to Deshaun, uh, and I think a lot of people read that. I think the fact that it was somebody that had told her in-depth story to Jenny Vrentis, as opposed to hearing everything through Tony Busby, the plaintiff's attorney, it's a little bit different. You know, when you read these when you read the lawsuits, that's filtered through an attorney who knows what he's doing, where these were the unfiltered words of uh, of a woman speaking to Jenny Vrentis. I thought that that painted a picture where I think a lot of people could kind of visualize what might have happened. And, and I think that swayed some more people over to perhaps the side of the plaintiffs. So I want to move on to the Texans organization in general. I did think it was noteworthy, though. I, did, did John McClain of the Houston Chronicle say that he doesn't envision Deshaun Watson ever playing another snap for the organization? He said that. Now my timelines get all screwed up, right? He said that before any of the allegations came out, right? That, that was when John felt like reading the tea leaves, I think, that he didn't expect Deshaun to be back. John never really framed that like a report, and John's uh, John's really good at what he does, you know. And he's uh, he's he's got a very authoritative voice, and I think when he speaks, people listen. But I think sometimes 
people read into uh, what what <laughs> read into what he says as a report when sometimes it's it's his read on the situation and it's his opinion. Um, but I think that that's that was the general consensus that before all this, it looked like it, that that ship had sailed and Deshaun wasn't going to come back. All right, so you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier when you said the entire six months of the Houston Texans has seemed like ten years. But if I just gave you a blank canvas on the Houston Texans right now. You know, the one thing is weird, Seth, is it's kind of overshadowed like the Easterby Cal McNair stuff. It's kind of put that stuff like on the back burner, I feel like. it. And no, it really has. And I think a couple things have happened. One is that when Nick Casario got here, there all of a sudden was there there wasn't this void in leadership where once bill o'brien was fired you fired bill o'brien who was also the general manager and you're operating like a completely rudderless ship and jack easterby stepped in and people were not high on jack easterby to begin with but then he became the only guy and uh, you know a lot of players had issues with him obviously i think what happened when casario got here was that easterby kind of receded into the shadows a little bit. And and more than anything, you know what it is with an NFL front office. It's all about the mix, right? It's never about the GM. It's never about the head coach. It's the blend of the GM, the head coach, and the owner. How does that triumvirate work with each other? And I think with Cal McNair, the owner, Bill O'Brien, the head coach and GM, and then, and then Jack Easterby acting in this advisory role, that was not a good blend whatsoever. And I think really Jack Easterby, who kind of serves as this motivational speaker to the stars um, of the NFL, I think every bad instinct that Bill O'Brien ever had, Jack Easterby was there to say, hey, buddy, you can achieve your dreams. Go for it. Trade DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, trade for Laramie Tunsil. Do all that crazy stuff that everybody says is stupid. I think what we hope is that Nick Casario doesn't have those bad tendencies to which Nick, the, to which Jack Easterby can fan the flames. And, and it's become a little bit more of a conventional situation other than, other than the extreme soap opera that still exists with Deshaun Watson. So I, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a team sign as many guys as Casario has. It almost feels like a little bit like an expansion team. It feels a little bit like the, what the Patriots did you know, 2000, 2001, when Belichick got in, just bringing in all kinds of different guys. I mean, it almost can't help but change the culture if you bring in 25 new guys, right? Right. Well, and I think that's part of it too, right? Is that anybody that had issues with Jack Easterby, there's like a 70% chance that that guy's going to be gone because I think the turnover is going to be about 70%. Uh, the other thing is, yeah, you, you brought up a good example in the early Patriots. I think the Seahawks back in 2010, 2011, when Carroll and Schneider first got there, they had extreme turnover and extreme competition. And I think that's what this looks like. It looks like they're trying to create extreme competition. You know, you're, you're transitioning from a 3-4 to a 4-3. So the Texans go out and sign eight linebackers, you know, and none of them a star, but all of them, Many of them guys with starting experience, many of them much faster than the guys they have there already. And I think you're going to see an extreme, extremely competitive situation. I went back and uh, the, the closest I could see to this was the 2018 New Orleans Saints. They signed like 29 guys in free agency and were still 
10th, 11th, 12th on total money spent. That's about where the Texans are right now. They've signed a ton of guys, but they're middle of the road in terms of total contract spending. They're, they're doling out all these one-year deals for two, three, four million dollars, and they just want these guys to battle it out. All right, so Seth, I would say, I mean, I know you had some years with four and five sacks, but would you think it's fair to say you were primarily uh, on the field for your run defense? You were primarily a run-stuffing D-tackle? Yes, I was still still much uh, to my objections, which uh, every time I would, this is what happened, Ross. I would, uh, every now and then I'd get a sack on second down. And, you know, and then there's nothing worse than when you get a sack and you create a third and long situation, but then the pass rushers come on the field and you got to go <laughs> off. Like, hey, nice job with the sack, Seth. Now get to the sideline where the real professionals can take over. But every single time I did that, I acted like I was angry, but I was really happy just to get the blow because I, you know, I weighed 320 pounds and I, I needed a break. So, yeah, I was a run stuffer. So, and how much did you weigh most of the time? Anywhere, you know, when I was in Jacksonville, we were in a 4-3, and I was mostly a three technique. So I was like 285 there. But then when I got to be a nose tackle with the Texans, I was usually about between 315, 320. Wow. So wait a minute. So you're you're talking about a 35-pound difference? Based yeah. On the team? Well, yeah. You see, it's Tex-Mex. It was, uh, I got to Houston and I discovered the avocado and uh, I lived, I lived in a building that had a Chipotle in the lobby underneath and I became a, I became a prototype 3-4 defensive nose tackle. And I guess anywhere, I was anywhere between 305 and 320 usually. Like I would be down at 305 and I'd feel like I got batted around a little bit. So I'd try to bulk up. Um, but yeah, I got, uh, I was able to I was able to pack on weight pretty quickly. I used to you know what it is, Ross? This is what I always tell kids. Like the simplest and best advice uh that I could ever give a kid, and it's the most boring advice in the world, is just to lift your legs heavy all year round, like on through week seventeen of the regular season or however long your college season is, uh, because you'll gain more weight, you'll be stronger at the end of the year when everybody else is being is feeling sorry for themselves. Um, and, and you can carry more lean weight if you just squat until you puke as much as you can. Is that, is that how were you big squatter? I was, yeah, squat. When we got to Houston, Dan Riley was the strength coach and he was really good about trying to take it easy on guys' bodies. So they're like, I, I, you know, I was always a hardcore meathead. I got to Houston and I was very much more into the, like leg press, super, super heavy leg press. But yeah, from the time I was, from the time I was in college, Actually, my senior year in high school, I had like some meatheads at the gym that taught me how to squat properly, and that made all the difference in the world to me. Like that, that, and I have a, a coach in college that really drilled technique. I felt like I got to the NFL, and I wasn't ever a great athlete by NFL standards whatsoever, um, or even like a good athlete. But I think between my technique and my leg strength, I had like two. I had two things that gave me a little bit of an ability in, in asymmetrical warfare that other guys just either weren't willing to develop or just weren't weren't as necessarily good at. Those are my two my two secret little slingshots that I could use against the Goliaths. So um, I, I I probably asked this before. I ask every guy this: ten years, man, like over a hundred games, like a hundred starts, and you're talking three technique and a four three and three four nose that position those positions plural 
probably take about as much punishment as any in the entire sport. Like, how, how does your body feel? I <laughs> I feel pretty bad. I um I was I felt awesome until this year. Like and right this one, I've got a good attitude about it. Don't get me wrong. But Ross, when I was done, I kind of I started running and jogging, and I felt really good. I ended up running marathons, or I guess shuffling marathons. I did I did a fifty mile ultra marathon around Canandaigua Lake in upstate New York, and I felt awesome. And then all of a sudden. Uh, a couple years ago, I tore my meniscus and everything kind of started falling apart. And I've got uh, I like my, my arthritis in various parts of my body. I got it under control, but like all of a sudden, it it hit me in force at the age of forty five. I'm forty six now. It hit me when I was forty five. But I like I'm I'm fine. I shouldn't I shouldn't have characterized it as feeling pretty bad. I've just got more issues than I thought I had. You know, um, I can't tell you how many guys have described it the exact same way. Where it's like, even guys that have gotten in shape, it's like 10 years later, 10, 15 years later, stuff starts going wrong that like you didn't think that was going <laughs> to pop up or happen. Last question. Um, run stuffing defensive tackles. I'm giving you the floor, almost like you are a, uh, you're, you're, you're a political candidate, right? Like, Oh, okay. So whether this is a draft pick, or an NFL free agent, right? Like a Dalvin Tomlinson, okay, who the Vikings signed. Give your speech as to the importance of run-stuffing defense tackles and why they are important in a quote-unquote passing league. Um, I, I, You know what? The best way to get a sack is on third and long. And the best way to get to third and long is to have a second and long. And the best way to get to second and long is to have a tackle for a loss on first down um, or on second down or anywhere you go. So I think that that's the part that run stuffing is still very, very valuable, despite the diminishing returns on the run game for the offenses. I think what's changed is a little bit of – you. There's, there's probably not a place for the high-paid exclusive run stuffer like there used to be. You got to be able to press the pocket. Um, but I think that's the other, that's the other untold benefit of a lot of the run stuffers. A lot of the big guys in the league right now, even if they don't ever get outright pressures, they they give that pressure right up the middle on first and second down. Where when that pocket is compressed and the guys that aren't super super comfortable having somebody in their lap or even feeling it, and especially Ross. Especially the guys that are six foot two or shorter, and it's just I like I I am a full convert into the smaller quarterback. I I used to be prejudiced against short quarterbacks. Now I understand and see that height was way overblown, and yet it is still something they have to overcome when they have pressure in their face or when they have a clouded view in front of them. And a run stuffing defensive tackle, especially a guy with a long wingspan like a uh, like a John Henderson or somebody like that, can can have a huge impact in the passing game that never shows up in the stat sheet. You got to check him out on Twitter. He is excellent at Seth C. Payne. Uh, exactly the guy I needed to talk to about all the Houston stuff. But also we sprinkled in a little bit of the 3-4-4-3 uh, the run stuffing D tackle. I love it. Seth, 
Thank you so much for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, man. I've been you were one of my first podcasts I ever downloaded. So uh big thrill for me to come on for the first time. I appreciate oh, it. Oh man, I'm gonna have you on more and you gotta get me on your are you still doing deceptively flat fast? I am. I always feel guilty because we bring you on, on the normal radio show, you know, and you get and you get paid for that. So then I feel like I'm asking for overtime. So yeah, you know, I'll, you know uh, I think yeah. I really do think, Seth, I was deceptively fast. Because I, I had a terrible 40 time. But uh, if you ever watch like a reverse or a screen pass, I looked fast. Like my little stubby legs for like five to ten yards. I I, I like I think my arms and legs were moving real. I I never got any probably, faster for like a 40, but I was as fast as I could be after like two steps. There's game speed, man. Like, that's the truth. You know, that. that's why this biometric data is going to be so much better for the guys that actually play their asses off in games. Sometimes you just need that. You need that cheetah chasing you. Just running against the clock doesn't do it for you. Ross, on, the, I, on game day, you were a 4-8-5-40. I know it. I know you were. I do, I, all I know is if it was a screen or if, like, the running back was downfield, I was the fa- like I think I just wanted to try to get another block more than anybody. I, I don't know, but I was the first guy down there. That's no, all I know. That's the best when you get to open it up. You're an interior de- offensive or defensive lineman. And you start hearing that chariots of fire in your uh, in your in your ear <laughs> or whatever that. Seth, you're the man. Thank you so much. My pleasure, buddy. Have a good one, dude. How cool is that? By the way, ten years in the NFL and he listens to the show. Absolutely awesome. Love it. Speaking of what I'm loving these days, how about being able to watch all these different shows on Netflix? My wife and I are loving it, especially thanks to ExpressVPN, which lets you unlock movies and shows only typically available in other countries. We love Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, going back to our youth on Australian Netflix. How about How I Met Your Mother? We missed some episodes when it was live, so we're catching up on Germany Netflix. ExpressVPN lets you change your online location so you can control where you want sites to think you're located. Choose from almost 100 different countries. You just open the app, select a location, tap one button to connect, and refresh the page to access thousands of new shows, movies. It's awesome. Go to expressvpn.com slash Tucker to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. An extra three months for free. Look, you can stream in HD, no problem. There's no buffering, no lag, compatible with all your devices. Expressvpn.com slash Tucker. It's awesome. Tucks takes. Well, hello, Tucker. You obviously discussed this situation in depth with Seth, but any thoughts, any other thoughts on the Houston Police Department officially opening an investigation into the allegations against Deshaun Watson? Well, it sounds like, Brian, you know, when, when the Houston Police Department gets involved, then it gets a little more serious because then it becomes a criminal proceeding. Not that it wasn't serious on the civil side, but it just now, now there's... I guess sort of dueling investigations, dueling potential criminal uh, or I guess legal issues for Deshaun Watson. I mean, I, I guess I'm sticking with what I said from the start, Bri, which is something doesn't smell right here, but one way or the other, something really bad's happened. And 
I hope that they get to the bottom of it. Ducks takes. Meanwhile, on the field, Bears head coach Matt Nagy uh, announced that he is going to handle the play calling again this season. So I'm glad we brought this up, okay? Can we talk about Matt Nagy for a second? The guy is 28 and 20, has two playoff berths, would have a playoff win if it wasn't for Cody Parkey and the double doink, has had zero losing seasons, all with a quarterback that the NFL thinks so highly of, he's getting paid $2.5 million to back up MVP candidate Josh Allen. People talk about Matt Nagy like he's some terrible coach. Playoffs two out of three years, 28 and 20, should have had a playoff win. Thank you, Cody Parkey with a quarterback that nobody wanted. Forget what any of us think about Mitchell Trubisky. Nobody in the NFL wanted him. The Bills took him as a backup. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't even the Bills' first choice to be the backup for Josh Allen. Two and a half million for one year behind an MVP candidate. Let's just give Matt Nagy a little bit more respect. How about it? Ducks takes. Some other moves include the Colts signing safety Sean Davis, the Jaguars signed linebacker Damian Wilson, and the Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts switched his jersey number to number one for the season from number two. So there is a, a, a proposal by the Chiefs where you might be able to, Bry, go ahead and get a um, skill guys like wide receivers being able to wear single digits and running backs which would be sweet. Quarterbacks already can, but they want to allow that for like wide receivers and running backs. And of course, those guys are all excited about it. Colts just continue to go ahead and get guys to provide depth because they want to make sure they're covered in these different spaces. I think the Jags maybe just wanted to go ahead and get a guy that has Super Bowl championship experience. Speaking of championship, you know right now, you can get 100 to 1 odds on the golfer of your choosing finishing in the top 10 of this weekend's tournament, which is a very, very big deal. You know what tournament I'm talking about. It is a tradition unlike any other. You need to go on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use my code ROSS. Always the key when you go to DraftKings is use the code Ross. Pick any of these golfers for the big one in Augusta, Georgia, and go ahead and turn $1 into $100. Pretty amazing that you can do that. Speaking of amazing, Bri, we have some ridiculous listeners, including a new patron, which I love. Not just any patron, and I think we're done here, patron. His name is Travis Klein, but the I think we're done here part is for Human Head Vinyl Records. Visit humanheadnyc.com. Here's the deal. Human Head is a vintage record store in Brooklyn, New York, 
where they buy and sell vinyl records and related equipment, processing thousands of titles per week. They're always looking to purchase record collections. No collection is too large nor small. Whether to buy or sell, go to humanheadnyc.com for more info. That is really cool, by the way. I mean, I, like, I love all our listeners. I just think it's cool when people have jobs that, like, he, that, that's obviously Travis's passion, right? Like, and he turned into a job. Very, very cool, Travis. I love it. Welcome aboard. Patreon.com slash RT Media. The other, I think we're done here. Shout outs Pizza Boy Brewing, delicious Sportaculture Vision Comics with an X. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 109 with it. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 